All right, I have a privilege today because uh, you football fans from long ago, Monday Night Football, if you remember when uh, Tom Landry, okay, was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, every time they introduced him, they would say, and here's Tom Landry, the only coach that Dallas has ever had. And then he was there from 60 in their inception to 1988. See, I know my football. And then what happened? They got Jimmy Johnson. So I, I think Seth is kind of feeling like Jimmy Johnson. You know what I mean? Because Marty is the only pastor FAC ever had. So there you go. You're like a football guy. But anyway, we're in the middle of our last series of Band of Brothers. It's unbelievable, right? God's brought us this far through the pandemic, totally online, partially online, now totally back in person. We got the food back. We got the stickers. Let's have a round of applause for God. <laughs> Woo! He should get a standing ovation. But anyway, so we're in the middle of our series about abiding, abiding in him, okay? And last week, and last week we had Pastor Steve come and talk to us about depending on him. And today, for the first time ever, at Band of Brothers, senior pastor Seth McCoy is going to come and talk to us about continuing in him. Pastor Seth, would you come forward, please? Better? Great. You guys can hear, everybody can hear me? Let me start off in a word of prayer. Let's go to the Lord. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great kindness to us, um, all of your goodness comes into our lives in an undeserved way. Lord, where, where we were before you came into our lives, gave us new hearts, brought us into your family, and are now in the process of cleaning us up strengthening us and turning us into real men. Um, we, we didn't deserve it. It's all a gift. And so we sit here just so thankful for your mercy. I pray that over these next few minutes that I'm going to share, <clears throat> you tell us that your word is food for a part of us that's deeper than our stomachs. And I pray that you would feed us today in your word. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. Okay, so I'm, we're going to be looking into God's Word this morning. I hope you have a, a copy of it. If not, uh, maybe you got one on your phone that you can pull out. Um, <clears throat> I, was, I was really thinking about this time. The one, one of the things I wanted to say was men's ministry is so critical. The, the section that I'm going to read today, I think probably the most famous passage about abiding in Christ I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there's been lots of sermons out of the book of John when Jesus was with his disciples talking about got to abide in the vine. That's where that metaphor comes from is in John. And in, in the gospel of John in John 14, Jesus is like having his final address with the disciples, right? With the apostles who are all men. So Jesus Christ, who is a man, handed off the ministry of the church for thousands of years to a group of men that he called. So the mission of the church has always risen or fallen on the shoulders of great men. If you look through church history and 
Um, you know, I'd, I'd argue one of the greatest periods of church history since the revival that broke out in the book of Acts through the apostles' teaching. I would say the Reformation, John Calvin, Martin Luther, what God did to bring the church out of the darkness of the dead religion of uh, justification by works of the Catholic Church, the, the light that brought us out of that, that founded Western civilization that we've all benefited from, the front runners in that movement were men whose hearts were lit on fire by the word of God. That, that combination, men whose hearts have been on fire for the word of God is a, is a powder keg in any society. And um, another reason why it's critical, it's not super popular to be a man right now in our culture, right? Uh, and yet, all through the Bible, every, every book of the Bible that's recorded in scripture is written by men. Um, and the reason why is because at the core of reality is the relationship between a father and a son. The relationship between God the Father and God the Son is the foundation of the, of the entire universe is built on that relationship. And the fire of, of love of the Holy Spirit going back and forth between the Father and the Son. What I'm saying is the foundation of everything within our world, within the church, within our own lives, um, is a passionate, courageous, enduring, loyal relationship of love between men. That, that is the core. There isn't a great church that at its core and at its foundation doesn't have men whose lives have been turned on fire by the love of Christ coming to them from God the Father. Male fellowship is at the core. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and so as I was thinking about talking to you guys today, I thought, well, what's, how has, how has um, male relationships made such a difference in my life abiding in Christ? Um, about a little over a year ago, I lost my, my best friend. Um, some of you guys might know the name John Soper. If you know the name John Soper, will you hold your hand up? I just want to get an idea. Okay, so yeah, a number of you guys. John Soper is a, is a man of character, a man of God in the Alliance. He's, he's laid a legacy. He's in his final years of that legacy. Uh, one of his best friends, a guy named Richard Bush, was, became my best friend over my years in Foxborough. And he was a man of God who invested in my life. We got together and had breakfast about every other week. And he just, he poured out his character and his relationship to God into me. We just, man, every, every two weeks. Before he, before he died, he recorded a video. And um, I got ordained in the, in the Alliance, which is our denomination. And at your ordination service, usually somebody who's been an influential pastor for you speaks. And because of COVID, we knew we weren't going to have my ordination in time for him to speak at it. So he recorded a, a charge, which a charge is kind of like when one man looks at another man and says, I'm putting the ball in your hands and you need to, you need to handle that in a way that shows that you really care about what it is. That's like a charge is when you, you know, you put some weight of responsibility on another person and say, I believe in you and you're accountable there's a way to do this and I'm, I'm encouraging you to do that. And I, 
So Richard recorded that and he put it on a on this flash drive. And um, basically I've been like, I've been waiting for the time that feels right by the spirit to watch this because I feel like I just, I haven't been able to do it yet. Um, because on here, there'd be two things. There'd be a lot of Richard's words, but they would be words from Richard. And so I, it wouldn't be like a letter. It would be like him. I would see his face and I would hear his voice and it would feel like he and I were right there together again. It's the magic of, you know, of video and HD. This is exactly the kind of thing that Jesus did with his disciples before he left them. And I mean, you know what it is. If Jesus in his final, you know, final hours before he's going to die, gets together with his best friends, with the exception of the one guy who's not his best friend, who's the devil in incarnate form. That, that's, that guy's not his best friend. But Jesus has known about him the whole time. He knew exactly what was in Judas from the very beginning. But his other 11 best friends, he gets those guys together and says, we're going to have a heart to heart. The most important organization in all of human history is the church. The church is the thing that will last on to eternity. Jesus said, everybody who comes to Christ and is a Christian is going to rule and reign with him in the, in the eternal kingdom that goes on forever and ever. He's going, to put the, he's going to put his church on the shoulders of these guys, and then he has a heart-to-heart -heart conversation. And he's going to talk to them about what it means to continue. Uh, so I'm going to pick it up. This is in John, uh, in John 14. I'm going to start at verse 15, and I'm going to go through, we're, just, we're going to go through 25, and I'm going to make some comments and point out some things that I thought are things that you guys could chat about a little bit around your tables and we could take away. Um, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Okay, just put your finger on the passage. I wanna stop right here. At the core of Christianity um, is a relationship with God and one of the most beautiful things about Christianity is that our God is a trinity. So one of the things that we say is, Christians say God is love. It's, it's not something that God does, it's, it's actually who God is. God is love. And the only reason we can say that is because before anything else was created, before the beginning of time, there has always existed a God who is three in one. A father loving a son in the power of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit going back and forth between the father and the son. That's why we can say at the very foundation of all existence is a God of love. If um, in, uh, in the religion of Islam, God is not a trinity. God is a bachelor, a single unencumbered male who does uh, what he wants and rules the way that he wants. And you can see in the expression of Christianity and the expression of Islam, those two different pictures of God lead in two totally different directions, using the same word, but totally differently. At the very foundation of Christianity is a God who is love, because from the very beginning, the Father has been loving the Son, and the Son has been loving the Father in the power of the Holy Spirit between the two of them. That is at the foundation of reality. Um, 
So it makes sense that for us as Christians, if we're going to continue in Christ, what it means to continue in Christ is to keep loving him, to keep giving him our love, and to keep receiving his love. This is why love is so powerful, and it's why male love is especially powerful. I mean, all I have to do is ask you a couple of your favorite movies and a couple of the, of the moments in movies that have moved you the most. I'll, I'd share two of them. The first one, Rudy. Who's old enough to remember the movie Rudy? Yeah, all right. Um, right? Rudy has a love for football and a love for Notre Dame, and that inspires you. And what does he, what does he do because he loves football and Notre Dame? Does he quit or give up? One of the reasons why perseverance is motivating for us is because perseverance is the way that someone shows the quality of their love. When you really, really love something, you never, never, never give up, right? Uh, Winston Churchill. Um, not as far as I know a Christian, I don't know. He loved England, loved Western civilization, hated the Nazis, and loved his people. And when they were under bombardment, he would walk the streets after they were bombed. He would get on the radio and talk to his people. Never, never, never surrender. We will never surrender. Why? Because of love. And that motivates us. Um, Sam Gamgee and Frodo, Lord of the Rings. Sam Gamgee stuck by Frodo's side. Frodo had a very important task to do to face down evil at any cost. And Sam said, I don't care, I don't care. You can tell me not to follow you, I don't care. I'm gonna go with you. And there, there is something that's very powerful and profound about male relationships of loyalty and longevity and love. And the reason why those resonate with us so much is because it reminds us of a memory that we have of something that we've never really experienced. And that is the relationship between a father and a son the way that it's supposed to be. And we all know that there's a way that a relationship with a father and a son is supposed to be. That's why any sons who had a father who was a jerk to them have wounded them in one of the deepest places that you can. And in, in some ways, the hardest thing to get over is if your father ever looks at you and says something that a father ought not ever say to a son. That wounds a part of us that's deep because we're made in the image of God. We're made that that relationship between a father and a son is powerful. So it means that when we have male friendships, which I just read a survey, did you know that male friendships are at an all-time low in our society? There's never been fewer men who, who would say that they have a meaningful friendship with another man. At the very same time that homosexuality is spiking, which is not an expression of deep male friendship, it's a perversion of it, right? It's taking something that's supposed to be deep and profound, a kind of brotherhood, and just destroys it by turning it into a, what can you give me? What can I take from you? Not what can I give to you? One of the things that Jesus is saying here about our relationship with him is um, we're gonna need help with this relationship. In verse, sorry, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And keeping my commandments means being faithful. Jesus told us there's some things that we must do. That's what a command is. They're not suggestions, they're commandments. These are things that you must do. And with those commandments where other things say, these are what you must not do. What do you do when someone who you love and admire says, do this, 
and don't do this. How do you love them back? You love them back by doing this and not doing that. See, obedience and love aren't opposed to each other. Obedience is an expression of love. And that's what Jesus says, and he's very serious. Being a Christian means looking at Jesus as your loyal king. And when he issues a royal command, you say, I love you and I love your father and I love your kingdom so much, I will do whatever you say. But Jesus recognizes that we can't do that in our own power. See, there's a part of, I could, I could wrap things up with a nice story and we could say a prayer and all of us could leave and be like, all right, let's, you know, us men, we love this stuff, right? All right, good. He gave me something to do. Loyalty, I'm going to, let's figure out his commands and let's do them. But Jesus is, a, is such a great king and friend to us. He knows us deeper than that. And he knows that at our, at our core, we don't have the power to do that. We aspire to be loyal, but when push comes to shove, we break our word. We do. I'm talking about this like Frodo, Rudy, Winston Churchill kind of perseverance. And we, we want that and we admire other people that are like that. But if I asked you, do you live up to that standard all the time? What would your answer be? I, no, I don't, I don't. Jesus knows us and he says, I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. This is what the power of the Holy Spirit does. You don't have the power to continue in him. You don't have the power to abide in him. You need power from outside of you. The Holy Spirit to give you power that you don't have to do what you can't do, but you long to do. This is, this is what a helper does. A helper helps you do something that you want to do. But I want you to notice, Jesus also says, this helper is not only going to help you make it from here to death when you enter the kingdom of heaven if you're a Christian. You are never going to stop needing the helper. We will live forever in eternity still needing the Holy Spirit's help to be who it is that God has called us to be. This is why Jesus says, I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you because he sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to be with us forever. Okay, let's keep going. Um, so verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I want to pause right here. The Holy Spirit is mysterious. Jesus himself said, the Holy Spirit, you don't know where he's coming from and you don't know where he's going. When anyone ever talks to me and says, I really understand life in the Holy Spirit, I just wanna say, I don't know what spirit you're talking about because I don't. I don't know where it comes from and I don't know where he's going. But there is something that we can know and Jesus is pointing it out right here. You will know because he dwells in you. The Holy Spirit in scripture is described as fire. You know when you're around fire. You feel its warmth. You, it communicates to you. The Holy Spirit is wind. You can hear wind blowing. You can feel the wind on your face. Holy Spirit is described as water. You know what water feels like in your mouth. What I'm saying is, even though the Holy Spirit is mysterious in, in where he's coming from and where he's going, it should not be mysterious whether he's in you or not. 
you should pretty regularly feel fire. You should be listening to a sermon and feel a flame burning in your heart. Not, I'm probably, you know, probably not every time, you know, maybe with Marty a lot more often than it will be with me, maybe one out of 10 with me, but sometimes you should walk out of a sermon and say, I, the Holy Spirit moved in me and it either, it either lit me up or the Holy Spirit is described as oil, oil's healing, oil's comfort. You know, I came in anxious and frustrated and the Holy Spirit directly gave me comfort. It's not us in our own strength and power that keeps us continuing the faith over the long haul. Salvation is totally a work of God. Salvation comes into a person's life because of the Heavenly Father's choosing. And salvation is accomplished for us not based on what we do, based on what Jesus Christ did. And our perseverance to the end, holding on to your faith through the hard times, we don't even have the strength to do that. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us make it to the finish line. Okay, uh, I'm gonna wrap up. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Here, he's. Jesus is describing this relationship, that Jesus and the Father have this relationship of love, and the Holy Spirit communicates that love back and forth between the two of them. So if we are in Christ, right, that's what we're talking about, abiding in Christ. If we are in Christ, you can't be in Christ and not have a new relationship to the Father, and you can't not have the Holy Spirit operating in you because the Father and the Spirit and the Son are one. To have a relationship with one is to be brought into the relationship with all three. Verse 23, Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. The, it's through the power of the Spirit that we continue in Christ. And the, the thing that, that the Father and the Son and the Spirit give us to hold us there is right it's this it's this thing right here um keeping his commands um you know like on this little usb drive i have a i don't have a transcript of what richard said th that would be a set of words like this these are these are words transcribed but you know that the bible is never meant to be read just with your mind and your eyes in this book Jesus says, in here is a whole world, and the Holy Spirit will lead you into here. Um, there should be regular times when in your reading of God's word, the Holy Spirit, to your mind and to your heart, makes it feel as if you and Jesus just had a meeting personally. This, this is the point of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus, after Jesus was resurrected, Jesus ascended, 
and one of the things that means sometimes I get a little jealous of the disciples that they got to walk with Jesus. They got to sit around tables with him and talk with him and see the things that he did. And sometimes we can be tempted to be jealous of that. Um, but when Jesus was crucified, resurrected, and ascended, one of the things that means is the Jesus that the disciples walked with was a, like a veiled, covered version of him in his full glory. We shouldn't want to go back and walk with the Jesus who walked the streets of Jerusalem with these guys. Jesus himself in this passage will tell the disciples, if you loved me, you wouldn't want me to stay here. You would want me to go back and be with my father because you would understand how much glory I have there. The angels sing songs to me all day long. And around here walking these dusty streets, the Pharisees and everybody else doesn't even know who I am. Do you know how painful it was for Jesus to walk around here every day? And Jesus said, you should, you, if you love me, you would want me to be there because there they sing songs about me and I display my full glory. I don't have to hide it. That's, that's the Jesus Christ that we have a relationship with now and that's the Jesus Christ that we're gonna have a relationship with forever. And the Holy Spirit is given so that the Jesus who is alive and seated on a throne through the Holy Spirit has the relationship to us that he had with the disciples where he's he communicates to us. He talks to us. He loves us. He holds our hands. He's there for us in troubled times. And all of this comes through the Holy Spirit's relationship from, from the throne of Christ to the throne of our hearts where the Holy Spirit lives. That's the bridge between heaven and earth that Christ's love comes to us and our love goes to him. Jesus said, we can have a better, stronger, deeper relationship with him than the disciples did. He said it would be better for us if he left and sat on the throne. And Jesus never lies. He's a good friend. He only ever tells the truth. Um, continue in his word. Continue in the Holy Spirit. And never forget the power and difference that courageous, loyal, persevering, sacrificing male friendships makes. Because have we ever seen a more courageous, persevering, sacrificing relationship than the relationship of the father and the son? Don't forget, while Jesus was in agony on the cross, what was the father's agony to have to do that to his own son? That's why the cross is in every church building across the world, is because right there is displayed a kind of father-son, sacrificial, courageous love that we should consistently and constantly look to and say, that's what I wanna be like, that's what I wanna do. Okay, let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. I, I pray that somehow in some of the things that I shared today, that you would honor your word. You said it would never return void. I pray that something that came out of the word today for every one of these guys that's here and some of the guys that are watching online, that you would take a seed, take a piece of this bread. You said this is bread for our souls. 
And I pray that you would feed us all. Let us leave here with something in our minds that can set our vision. I want to be a man like that. And we pray this all in the name of Christ. Amen. Hey, thanks for letting me share with you guys.